another uh, episode with uh, Worshiping with a Knight. But today we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, got a couple people here. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, our Templar Knights. They believed that uh, becoming a knight was a divine calling. We're going to talk a little bit about that, and we're going to talk about the women as knights and how how knights were compared to uh, in medieval times as compared to what knights are today. Um, we're going to have uh, our grand prior, U.S. USA grand prior, David Roth. He'll be on talking a little bit about that, and also our uh, grand historian. Thomas Johnston, he'll be on here in a little bit here to talk about uh, uh, more of the historical perspective of things. Uh, Let me ask you this. Have you ever thought, you and your friends sitting around watching an old medieval knights movie, say, man, this is this is kind of cool. This is really neat. I, I kind of like it. I mean, there was really good ones out there with the Christian knights or Templar knights or called Arn, and that's a really great movie. Uh, if you ever have a chance to watch that, please do so. But in the meantime, let's uh, bow our head in prayer. And then we'll uh, go on with the first question of the day. Um, please bow your heads. Dear God, we thank you for everyone gathered here today and ask that you surround us with your powerful, life-changing presence. That Thank you for loving each, each of us and, and for calling us to walk with you. We come before you as we meet here on this podcast and declare our dependence on you. Be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Fill our hearts with your love. Fill our words and conversations with truth and grace. We ask all of these things in praise and adoration of you. Amen. Well, good after, good morning, uh, Grand Prior. Good morning. Glad and, and we can start with that first question, if you would like. Um, we know that knights who lived during medieval times thought that becoming a knight was a divine calling as to where God chose a knight out of thousands of men and, and appointed them to live in the order of knighthood. Uh, these individuals, those who believed they were called to be knights, volunteered or raised or were raised from childhood or were brought into an order by other knights or church officials. But what about knights of Templars today? Uh, does this divine order of knighthood still exist? <clears throat> well, the first question, I mean, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, but what about knights Templars today? So we got to understand that you had different subsets of knights so you had squires which usually were children if children were brought in the order um and a specific squire i don't have a name but there's a story of an old knight and a new squire and as the knight passed his book of knowledge to a squire the squire responded to that knight oh lord god blessed be thy name who has led me to a place and time so that i may acquire the knowledge about chivalry that I have desired for so long without understanding nobility of its order or the honor in which God has placed on all those who are in the order of chivalry. So we got to understand knighthood and chivalry hand in hand, same thing. They're, they're both the same. Um, <clears throat> the squire's response is exactly where we need to start. It is where every person starts, even when joining our order. In the beginning, the person who wishes to become a knight 
must be asked whether he or she fears and loves God. The squire's response right off the bat is straight, straight to straight to praising God. Um, <clears throat> In the beginning, a person who wishes to become a knight must be asked whether he or she fears and loves God. Even today, knights must answer that question. Um, and it, and uh, there's several books you can read about uh, knighthood and the different parts. The books I personally like, because what I'm seeing in the world today is people don't know who they are. And everybody wants to create new new magical titles or, or pronouns or whatever. It's an identity issue. So a book I would recommend, honestly, is Defined uh, by Kendrick. Um, that gives you more of a perspective on who you are as an individual and who your what your identity is with uh, your story, you know, how your story begins. You got to understand uh, knights were Christians. So to understand how to become a knight, first you have to be a Christian. But then the story, as far as how your individual story begins, where I think people are lost today. Um, everybody's struggling with an identity issue. Everybody wants to be some rich and famous person, but we forget that you got to be chivalrous. You got to be chivalrous. You, you know, you may be a, you think you're a lord or, you know, you have all this money and stuff, but you, you got to put it where it belongs and that's with God. So the first part of, of this book defined by Kendrick actually helps us understand who we are, um, how your story begins. First and foremost, you're created with purpose and you're uniquely designed by God in the womb. There's plenty of biblical references if you want to open your Bible up talking about God knows you before you're born. He created you. He is the creator. And you have to understand that creator created role. God's name is Yahweh. Is it interesting to know that when you breathe in, it makes a yah sound. And when you breathe out, it's a way sound. So throughout your life, you are constantly saying God's name with every breath. Even if you're not thinking about it, you're constantly saying God's name, which is pretty impressive. Not a lot of people know, not a lot of people understand that or realize that, but you are constantly saying your Creator's name when you breathe. Um, you got to understand you're extremely valuable because God made you, um, and uh, we're all broken and imperfect. That has to do with Adam and Eve and you know sin, but. We are sought after by God. Sometimes we're lost, and then we're found if we allow it to happen. Um, we are all part of God's epic plan, and understanding that everybody has a purpose in life, whether it be you're a doctor, or you're a nurse, or you're a firefighter, or a police officer, or, you know, you have a profession. Maybe that's your calling, but knighthood is also a calling. Um, you got to understand, we as Christians, we believe, you know, <clears throat> in many things, but the chief things a knight must believe in, which is basically the same as Christendom, is belief in one God, belief in the Father, belief in the Son, belief in the Holy Spirit. Believe that God is creator of all things. Believe that God is the recreator. That is, he has redeemed humankind for the sin that Adam and Eve committed. And in belief that God will give the glory in paradise. So these first seven things I've talked about pertain to divinity. 
pertains to God. Um, now, there's 14 articles, but the, the next seven deal with humanity. Belief that Jesus Christ was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Belief that Jesus Christ was born. Believe that Jesus Christ was crucified and killed to save us. Believe he descended to hell. Believe Jesus Christ was resurrected. Believe Jesus Christ ascended to heaven. And believe that Jesus Christ will return on the day of judgment. <clears throat> now all are obligated to believe or obliged to believe these 14 things. And without them, no one can be saved. That is part of the knighthood. That is part of what the 14 articles that a knight must believe. Because without faith, you're nothing. And honestly, we're all really nothing without God. So the second part of the identity issue I think we're having and why people are like, uh, you know, I, it's just crazy out there. Um, you got to understand that you are defined at your core. <clears throat> you are defined. You just may not know what it is. Um, you are beloved as God's adopted child, you know. Some people are not, I wouldn't say blessed, um, to be baptized as a child. Some people are baptized as adults. So you got to understand, with that baptism, not only is it washing away original sin caused by Adam and Eve, um, you're also being adopted by God. You are one of his children. <clears throat> and you are also blessed as God's spiritual son, son or daughter. But we're not his son or daughter, but we're his spiritual son or daughter. You know, he's taking care of us. He provides for us. If we sit back and let him and not do things by our own hands, but just let God do what he does. Um, you are saved as God's new creation. You are forgiven as God's redeemed saint. Everybody who, who truly repents and accepts the forgiveness, you are a redeemed saint. So that's even higher than knighthood. You're a saint. Everybody, um, you are prized as God, God's dwelling place. You know, the Holy Spirit lives within within each and every one of us. So these are, I'm, I'm saying all these things because of how important it is as a knight. Not only do we have our 14 things you got to believe, you got to be a Christian, period. You have to know you're saved. Your faith is where you stand as a knight. Um, and you are. Uh, gifted as God's specialized worker, whether it be you're a doctor, you're a healer, you're a pro well, prophesier, or you speak in tongues. God has many tasks for people to fulfill, and knighthood is one of them. Um, <clears throat> so that's that's defined. So that talks about you know identifying who you are because you got to know who you are before you can even consider like where do you stand with God. Do you understand the implications of knighthood? Not a lot of people understand. You know, this is, you, you know, you, you brought up a good point, you know, talking about the movies. You know, Arn was a good movie, you know. Um, based on the movie, you know, Arn allegedly committed a sin. Well, he committed a sin, and his punishment or his penance was he had to go serve. So now that's really not voluntary. That was compelled. That was part of his penance. He had to become, or he had to go serve. He became a knight because he was doing honorable things, even meeting with the enemy after saving them. Um, what every other knight, what every knight must know, you, you must know the Ten Commandments. And the reason why you must know the Ten Commandments 
is so that the order does not contravene the commandments God has given. It's everything everything starts with God. Even knighthood starts with God. Um, you got to understand what the sacraments of the church are: baptism, confirmation, Eucharist, or Holy Communion, and penance. One's does for their own sins, ordination and anointing, and the sacrament of chivalry. Chivalry is loving one another. Chivalry is is being respectful of one another. Chivalry is going out of the way to help one another. Chivalry is out of love. There are many books out there. I talked about The Find. Another book that has significant interest that, that somebody, if they wanted to know where to start looking as far as understanding knighthood and where it comes from, is going to be the book of the Order of Chivalry by Raymond Law, but translated by Noel Fallows. And in that book, it talks about the old times where a person had to be of noble birth or had to have some kind of nobility. It also defines that um, there is a there is an office of knighthood, which is going to answer this, the second question that you had. Does the d- divine order of knighthood still get, exist? Yes. Many are the offices that God has bestowed upon the world in order to be served by men, which I, I think I've talked about that already. But the most noble of them all, the most honorable, the two closest offices that there are in this world are the office of cleric, which is your priests, your pastors, your um, reverends, um, people that speak the word of God and help you. Your clerics. And then you also have the office of knight. And therefore, the greatest friendship should be between clerics and knights. So you have to think, clerics help you understand and build your spiritual armor. And when I mean spiritual armor, everybody can look up Ephesians 4. Understand the spiritual armor that God gives us. That is also based on Roman armor. Um at the time, or if, depending on what you believe, you know, that could also be orthodox, you know, they wear all that other stuff. Um, another good book, not only the book of the Order of Chivalry, which that's where I would start if I were wanting to know about what it takes to be a knight, or what knighthood's about. The next book I would read after that, read that one first, the next one I'd read would be Knights of Christ by Dan Biddle. Uh, living today with the virtues of ancient knighthood. Now, I talked earlier about the fourteen, uh, the fourteen articles that you know a knight must believe. Um, Dan Biddle actually <clears throat> expands it out to twenty-four virtues that a knight must have. So we have fourteen things we have to believe. That's a, that's a non-negotiable. You have to believe that, or you're not joining a knightly order. Period. Doesn't matter what order. Unless you want, you know, the false satisfaction of a piece of paper and a congratulations, you paid me $2,000 to be a knight, or you paid me some kind of monetary. That's that's not knighthood. Um, knighthood is believing. Knighthood is doing, um, not paying. And uh, as I digress, Dan Biddle's book, Knights of Christ, fantastic book, talks about the 24 virtues, the seven deadly sins. Um, and Dan Biddle actually took that phrase one in a thousand from, um, Raymond Lull, but he expanded upon it, made it, made it a little bit more understandable. One in a thousand set apart by Christ. 
That's a pretty big number. But then if you think about how everything's going on today in the world, us believers, how many do you think there are? And how many people are going to be separated? Is it going to be a thousand to one? A thousand people aren't believing in God, but we are the one. Or is it a thousand people are unworthy of knighthood, but one could be? Those are all actually other interesting questions, and we can talk about those later. Um, so I believe I've answered those two questions for you, uh, sir. It does. It does. It answers. And those are it's a great answer. Those are great answers. Um, <clears throat> also go to the true knights, a person whose lifestyle and virtues set him, set him or her apart. One in a thousand. And I think that's even echoed in our Ecclesiastics uh, chapter 7, verse 27 and 28, where it states, uh, Behold, that I have found, saith the preacher, counting one by one, to find out the account, which yet my soul seeketh, but I find not one man among a thousand have I found, but a woman among all those that I have not found. So that, that we can use that also as why there are women knights. But since your answer uh, took a lot of, of uh, gave a lot of good explanations, we can go on with our grand historian then, uh, Thomas Johnson, who's with us as well. Um, and he could probably elaborate a little bit more on the historical perspective of that and maybe give us some examples or perhaps begin a, a journey of knighthood and what it takes. Um, you mentioned the book of the Order of Chivalry, and mm -hmm. uh, maybe we can elaborate a little bit from that and and go on and maybe make an open forum. But um, Grand Historian Johnson, uh, if you could elaborate on the historical perspective, maybe give some examples or, or a journey of knighthood, what, it, what does it take? Well, thank you for letting me be here. Um, well, from a historical perspective, from um, the Knights Templar, uh, it used to be a vow. Um, most most people coming to the Templars were already uh, knights for other lords and kings and things like that. But they decided to um, they decided to take the vow, and with that vow, they would give up everything. They would take a vow of poverty. Um, sorry, I lost my footnotes here. Uh, so a, a knight joining the temple would um, sign over their wealth, their goods, um, to the order, and then they take vows of poverty, chastity, piety, and obedience. Um, and that was um, that was over. There were knights that joined temp that were allowed to join temporarily that remained during the crusades because they were technically on loan from the king. Them, it was meaningful to fly under the banner, so they joined. Uh, they would join, but they would go back to their families. But, um, but a lot of them that joined were already were already trained, so to speak. But they joined because it was it was a journey of faith. They wanted to serve. They wanted to serve the Lord. They wanted to protect God's people and using the the, the gifts that they were given in the training. Um, 
simple to the fact of taking a vow, but when you think about it, if you're granted land, uh, how easy today would it be to give up everything you have? To give up your house, to give up your land, to give up your cars, to give up, you know, um, family, time with family and things like that, to to just give yourself to to the night comfort. So, so even back then it was a big decision, and knighthood now, it's, we're not, you're not taking that same oath. are still agreeing to live by those virtues that, that, um, that uh, you've brought up or you're living you're living these virtues every day and um, you know following the Ten Commandments and things like that and there's one giant commandment that gets overlooked a lot and that's Jesus commandment to us to, to love one another as I have loved brought up earlier, in this day and age, it's, it's hard to do that. We are, we are so divided and everything that it's hard to love one another regardless of their beliefs or their their lifestyles and things like that. And I think, as nice today, I think that's that's probably our biggest task. Our biggest task is to, is to set out in the sinful life and live that to love one another as Jesus loved us. He, he loved the poor person as much as he loved the rich everybody regardless you know um, and I think I think for us now that that's that's a big that's a big deal and I think that's really something that um, it, at least for in my opinion as as a knight in today's world I think that's the hardest thing to do is to, um, is to lay aside Luke nine point three says, "Lay aside your selfish ambitions and bear your cross and walk with me." And it's it's um it is it's a struggle every day to to make sure that you are loving everyone and not um, not becoming living in sin yourself by judging others. And I think that's that's truly the testament of now is to to, to hold to all those different um you know the. the chivalry and, and everything else and it, it all goes together but it, it's it's hard it's not easy it's it's something that people read and they look at and go oh well i already do that but do do if it's not something that you turn on and off oh okay i'm 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 wearing my my robe and my 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 cross and i'm a templar now when that comes off are you still a are you still a knight yeah you're a knight every day when you when you do what you need to do to advance to become a knight templar you, that is life. That is every day. The moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep, you're living that life. Everyone <clears throat> you encounter, everyone that you see, they are, they are, um, they're seeing you and how you present yourself at all the time. And that is truly, truly that I think now the, uh, the test for all nights is to uphold that. And it's really difficult in today's age where uh, people's, people's, you know, beliefs and things are just so shoved in your face and down your throat and, and it's, it's, it's our natural human response to want to repel and, 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 and be, be angry and push back with our own our own thing and we tend not to, to take that step 
I know it's something we gave away to you, but, you know, you turn the other cheek or do we get angry? Do we go up against this? And, you know, we don't fight with, we don't fight with swords and shields anymore. We, we fight with, with actions. Going, struggling to be Christ-like in everything we do while being a knight is, is the best action you can do. Because when people see you doing good deeds under that Templar banner, you're not only getting rid of stigma against Christianity, you're getting stigma against the order away. You know, because um, there's a lot of people that have used the name and have destroyed it. And it's just, it, it, it's a beautiful thing. And um, yeah, but... As far as history goes, um, some things have changed, but to a point. I mean, I still know people in our orders that give of themselves. They give their their um, monetary things to advance the order and do things, and they do it selflessly. And I think that's that's still very very true to what um, Knight Bolt is. Got another one. <laughs> What's that? Do you have another topic for? We do. Um, we could probably go on and let's talk a little bit. This we'll make this an open forum with everybody. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the virtues and, and what uh, what not uh, can be brought in here. I mean, um, let's, let's talk a little bit about the virtues. And how many virtues there are, there are, and, and what each one kind of means. We could do that a little bit. I think, you know, because there are what twenty-four virtues, I do believe. Yeah, there's there's twenty-four virtues. Right. There's godliness. Well, Let's talk about those two first off. Um, godliness. Uh, what does it mean? Uh, imitating God in our daily life. Um, the imitators of God. Uh, therefore, as dearly loved children and love of, uh, and live a life of love. Jesus, as Christ, loved and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. You can find that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. But what else does it mean as a, as a Templar to uh, be godliness? <clears throat> well, there's, there's two things, actually. So... Being godly means imitating God in your daily life, uh, which means simply a, a godly person is one who responds to daily life activities and circumstances in the which the way Christ would. Essentially, this means aspiring to godly virtues uh, while avoiding sin. I mean, First Timothy six eleven tells us, "Free from all sin and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness." These two actions, fleeing from sin and pursuing righteousness, are the two actions they're actually action commands of godliness that can be used to guide your decisions in daily life but i know you're thinking about yourself but knights were warriors how can a person be a warrior and godly at the same time 
even a quick tour through the gospel show that Christ had many warrior-like traits, although not in a violent sense. Christ stood up to the wrongdoings and wrongdoers in John chapter 8, 1 through 11. He used physical force when appropriate, Mark uh, chapter 11, 15 through 19, yet opposed violence, Matthew 18, 11. So, I mean, that's, that's, we have our Savior Jesus Christ who is a servant leader showing us what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Uh, even God himself is often characterized as a strong, kind, gentle, all-powerful warrior. Uh, if you read Psalms 18, 12 through 5, uh, uh, 12 through 15, sorry, out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrow and scattered the enemies, great bolts of lightning, and routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed, and the foundations of the earth laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of your breath from your nostrils. So with that, the very creator of life, God himself, is displayed in Scripture as a warrior slinging hailstones, both of lightning and arrows, and capable of laying out the foundations of the earth by massive blasts from his nostrils. So that is godliness, or a form of godliness. Where does this godliness uh, come from? How do we maintain godliness even even when uh, we sin and make mistakes? How do we maintain all this? We maintain it through faith. We maintain it through belief. We maintain it through asking God to forgive us. You know, we do make mistakes. We, you know, are sinful beings. We understand that, you know, without God, we are nothing. So I guess the question is, is, is how do we test our faith, really? Right. So that's another virtue, faith. Yep. So faith is when you trust God and, and, and his purpose in your circumstances. And uh, so we go from there. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So as a Templar, as a Templar knight in the Templar order, how does that affect us? Um, how is faith such a great form of trust? And, and who are we trusting in our life? Well, faith is so critical to God that he, gave, he has gone so far to tell us that it is impossible to even please him without faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 6. And remember, a, knight's, a true knight's first mission and calling is to please the king which is God. That's correct. Um, so why is, and again, why is faith so important for a knight? Faith is what protects the knight. Faith is where, <clears throat> the faith is, is what 
drives the knight in the battle. He knows he's protected on all sides, whether it be the physical or the spiritual, because of faith. And he knows if he dies, he knows he's going to go to the goal line. Right. He's going to be with God in heaven. So with faith, you can die. You can acknowledge everybody's going to die, and you're going to go to heaven. And you're going to live a perfect life there with God. So, well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like in Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11 through 14. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and in, in the future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray with pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found in you, declares the Lord. Which brings us on to another virtue, hope. How does Wikipedia define hope? An emotional state, the opposite of which is despair, which promotes the belief in, in a positive outcome related to events and circumstances in one life. Um, and you can find that throughout Scripture. Uh, we are presented with passages that inspire us and hope in God and not ourselves and or some other external resource of power. Um, Galatians uh, chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. Let us not become weary in doing good. For the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, we have the opportunity to let us do good in all people, to all people. So that's hope that people are understanding and, and hope in God, especially to those who belong in a family of believers. Um, so how does hope, let's uh, look at that. How does uh, it's a difficult situation we face with choices between hoping and despairing. What practical ways can we choose hope and avoid despair? Good question, isn't it? Yep, it yep. is. <laughs> Tom, any thoughts on that? I think he's muted himself. Anyway, um, let's think about that for a minute. Uh, wisdom is sweet to our soul. And if you find it, uh, find out there's future hope for you and, you and hope will not be cut off. That's Proverbs chapter 24, verse 14. Hope in God, if you have good hope and faith in him, you shall be delivered from your enemies. So well, that leads us to the well-known story of uh, David and Goliath. Reflects a similar situation. Yeah. Uh, David, under-equipped and overwhelmed, child of God, faced with a spiritual decision, who to place his hope in? David could have put hope in his brothers, the Israelite army, the armor of Saul, or the five rocks he took from the creek bed for ammunition, but he did not. David put his hope fully in God. But you can find uh, in Samuel chapter 17, verse 45 and 46, David said to Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, 
and I'll strike you down and cut you off, off your head. Today I'll give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Yeah, good, good choice. Joan of Arc uh, was another person, and that, that actually, I mean, we we could go through all twenty-four virtues if we wanted to. Do we want to go through all twenty-four virtues? I mean, the next one would be love. I mean, we already know what love is for. Uh, love is not a gallantry or a pride, and it, it should drive a knight to be a knight. You should govern govern our thoughts and actions. Uh, before even looking into this virtue, we, we need to think about this for a second. Let's first start with the very definition of love um, provided in scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. That's an example of one. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. Love never fails. It never fails. Uh, and it's one of God's greatest commands. Love one another. Love each other as brother and sister. Um, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14, there as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and all these virtues put on love. All of them. So all the virtues that we have, it, 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 it binds them together. It binds them in perfect unity. Every one of them. Think about hope, faith. If it weren't for love being in the mix of all those, you would have not have any of that because God loves us all. Is that not correct? Why is it important that God God loves us first? Why is it so important? Well, God is the creator. He created us. I know that much. Um, and he loves each creation. So we have that positional relationship of creator uh, create T or created, um, where our job as created is to worship and honor the creator, which is God, Yahweh. Remember, I said earlier, us just breathing in and out is saying his name. This whole time exactly. that we've been on this call, you've said God's name over a hundred times. Exactly, and you, and you also mentioned earlier in in your in our first question that every knight needs to know the Ten Commandments, and that is one of the Ten Commandments: love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing right. Um. So let me ask you this: What, what does that mean? Bear with others. Um. When do we confront others with love, and, and and when do we overlook and and bear with others? What comes to mind with the word bear is, uh, <clears throat> is there was a story about uh, ox, you know, and you have two ox that pull a cart, and you know they both bear a yoke. So two ox 
going in the same direction and pulling the cart. So I think what bearing means is, is being with one another and helping each other. Some people's crosses that they carry in life are far greater than the cross you may carry. And perhaps your mission at that time, when you meet that individual, is help them bear theirs too. Yeah, that is absolutely. I agree one hundred percent with that. Um, which brings us to another virtue. If you're talking about bear, then we have to talk about justice. Another virtue. Um, how's God's grace make us just? Well, about this. Uh, we could look at Psalms, uh, chapter 112, verses 5 through 8. God will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affair with justice. <clears throat> Excuse me. Surely he will be shaken as a righteous man. Will he be remembered forever? He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. In the end, he will look and triumph on his foes. So as knights, and as in our order, as a Templar order, how can a modern-day knight fight for injustice? How can we do that? How can a modern-day knight establish justice? How can a modern-day knight uphold justice? Why? Well, a modern-day modern knight has to understand that justice is fundamentally intertwined with knighthood. Raymond Law said that in his book, uh, The Book of the Order of Chivalry. In fact, it said, if a man without justice were a knight, so we're starting off with the negative, you don't have justice. If a man without justice were a knight, it would follow that justice would not be in the place where in the fact it is and that knighthood would be something altogether different from what it is. Nor is it relevant that a knight may have a smattering of justice and believes himself to be in the order of knighthood. If he is, in truth, injurious, he doesn't belong at all. So you can't be a knight if you don't believe in justice. Um, it, for a knight and justice are so ultimately intertwined that knighthood cannot survive Without justice, an injurious knight is an enemy to justice and defeats and expels himself from the order. That's Raymond Law's uh, The Book of the Order of Chivalry. But to right. establish justice, there's a couple uh, of biblical verses here. We can go Proverbs 29, verse 4. Uh, By justice, a king gives a country stability, but one who is greedy for bribes tears it down. That's pretty interesting. Greedy for bribes and tearing countries down. Um, lots of things going on in the world right now, especially in the U.S. It's just, it's interesting. Proverbs are just popping out of the walls here. Uh, yeah, we also can exactly. look at Proverbs uh, chapter 8, 13 to 16. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I, wisdom, hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and per perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have understanding and power. By me, kings reign and rulers make laws that are just. By me, princes govern and all nobles who rule on earth. Yeah. 
It's awesome. You know, I think you know, you're talking about Ramon Lull. Um, he also stated in his book, I do believe, uh, if a knight is consumed with pride, we're talking about pride here, and seeks by that means uh, to uphold the order of knighthood, he's in fact corrupting it. Um, for his own order was is founded on justice and humility um, with a view of protecting the humble against the proud. Um, what does that mean for us? It, it means that we must uphold justice and we must believe and have humility and, and, and be humble and not be proud. Don't be a proud knight. Don't be proud of something that you've done to help one another. Don't, don't be proud of it. Just be thankful. Um, how do we actively pursue justice? Maybe you could help out there, Grand Prior. How do we actively pursue justice as a, as a new order of Templar Knights um, in a modern-day society? How do, we, how do we actively pursue that? Well, you can actively pursue justice just by pursuing the truth. That's true. Start with, start with pursuing the truth first. I mean, justice is 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 what is fair as far as um, things or ideas. Justice, but pursuing righteousness and the truth—that's where you start. Yeah, and then I and I think our order has did that before. A couple of years ago, anyway, that 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 brings us on to our next virtue, which would be prudence. In this time of when medieval knights are around, uh, prudent action may make the difference between life and death, wealth or poverty, health or illness, safety or turmoil, marriage or no marriage, and children or no children. Um, and it's no different for today's knights, I don't believe. Uh, making prudent decisions daily will lead to a fruitful and effective life. So what is prudence? It's the, the ability to govern and discipline oneself by the use of reason, um, such as if you read Ephesians chapter 5, um, verses 15 through 17. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because of the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So the wisdom of prudent is to give thought to, to the wares, but, but the folly of fools is deception. Um, as knights, the ways we can how, how can we apply prudence as being a as in, in our Templar order as knights? Well, a knight's love for others leads uh, him to want to help others financially if they can, because we are the poor knights of Christ. Um, as prudence guides him, and how to do so in a wisely manner. So. There are several ways, I think, in being prudent as a knight. Um, why is it so important to join perseverance with focus, uh, with planning, as, as being prudent? 
Um, where does your life need more planning, more focus? How can you produce and benefit that in a short term or long term? Um, how does life, living a prudent life, set us up for God's blessings? We need to think about those things. Um, it's another thing in the book of chivalry from Ramon Lull is he stated, quote, unquote, the customs of a knight are to arm himself and to fight, but that accords not so much to the office of a knight as it does the use of reason, of listening, and, and ordained will. Uh, for many battles have been vanquished more by mastery, by wit, and by industry than, than by multitudes or horsemen or good armor, unquote. Um, even Walt Disney, real rewards await those who choose wisely. Even in the uh, Indiana Jones uh, thing where the, the uh, knight was guarding the, uh, Holy the Grail, Atlas, right? Choose wisely, he told him. Anything that anybody wants to add to that? Or can add to that? Well, you did a good job on that one. <laughs> well, here's something a little bit. I guess a knight's grace and mercy gives him love. Patience and forgiveness with others. His prudence gives him caution regarding which relationships to cultivate. A knight's prudence leads him to prepare a lesson before mentoring others. A knight's strength will help him overcome failure. His prudence leads him to not repeat the same mistake twice. Right. So you're you're choosing you're you're choosing something wisely. You're you're thinking about it and and taking your time with it. You just don't be prudent. Yep. Right. <clears throat> thinking about it. Thinking right. it's it's not wasting your time or energy and effort. It's to be focused. It's to to use your gifts correctly, not to just throw them to the wayside. So I know we talked earlier we talked about, you know, what it is to be a knight, kind of. Um, we're talking about the virtues of a knight. We talked about the the fourteen um, different things you must believe. So, all this is really adding up to is these are gifts from God that people have, that God has given them freely, but people are just choosing either a they don't understand or know they have these gifts or these virtues, or and they're choosing they don't know either they don't know they have these virtues already in them. Or they haven't sat back and realized it and thought right. about it. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, we, we could go through all, all 24 virtues. There's, there's uh, you know, courtesy and temperance and, and loyalty, sacrifice. I think we should do all these temperance. Things are, all these yeah. things that people lived by Templars lived by that back in the day, the old Templars. And it's, it's with everything going on in the world today, and especially, you know, we can, we're just going to say it's worldwide. I mean, so much yeah. corruption and there's so much uh, uh, evil sin. and sin. It, it's hard to live by those 24 virtues. And we're tested on that every day, everyday temperance. Temperance, for example, that's another virtue. What, what's temperance? It can be defined as a, a moderation in action 
um, thought or feeling or restraint, and, and it's hard. Uh, to a night, that means a complete absence of some things and moderation in all other things. Um, without these virtues that that our order has or Templar Knights orders have, um, a knight's life and, and character, it just, it just will fail. There's, with all the corruption and things in you and, and everywhere going on and sin everywhere, it's tough. I don't know. Is it tougher than it was back then? That's a question. That's a good question. I mean, they didn't have the access, the access to, to instant communication, the access to, to instant gratification, the, the, the access to sin. As so freely as we do now, um, I mean, if we go back back then, you know, you committed a wrongdoing to a person, you might have got killed. Yeah, by the sword. You know, if it was an honor thing, you dishonored somebody, you, you might have been killed. I mean, right. Well, and that still happens today. If you think about that, it does. But yeah. Only it's a little faster. You know, people have different type of weapons nowadays. It's not a stone or an arrow. Um, or sword. Or, or sword. mace. Yeah. Or pike. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in, in, if we look at that temperance virtue in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verses 23 through 24, everything is permissible, but, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. So as a Templar, we're to help the downtrodden, and we're to help the poor, and we're to help all these people. Uh, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 22-21, do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves for, with meat, for drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsing death clothes them in rags that's true what do you do you waste all your money um unfortunately there are people out there that have a disease they call it alcoholism a disease but if you weren't doing it in the first place you wouldn't have gotten drugged down if you'd had temperance so basically temperance is anything that distracts you right. takes your energy and focuses it somewhere it shouldn't be like right. example could be we can put it simply uh television uh being on social media it's allowing right. yourself to become obsessed with these things that drain your life and your time and will sap you of your strength that could be used elsewhere productively yeah well look at kids with all the access they have xboxes and and playstations and Nintendos and things like that. They, they even have them on their phones nowadays. And what does that do? That takes away from them learning. They could be learning something somewhere else or doing something somewhere else, uh, playing sports, for example. <coughs> well, but what's interesting is as a recent study revealed that teens spend an average of 16 hours per week online. After this, the time, the average time spent watching TV, another 14 hours, and talking on the phone. Or playing with their phones, which is probably higher than when the study actually was done, 
and you nearly have the same amount of time spent on a full-time job every week. Wow. That's, That's crazy. Well, let, okay, let's look at the nights. Is it being a Templar, uh, a Templar knight? Um, whatever one's choice is, whatever, whatever your choice is as a knight, um, your time and strength isn't for wastefulness. But it's I mean, for serving, but it's for serving, serving wastefulness God. is also another vice. Um, and, and some people may not look at it, but a person who knows they have a gift, knows they have a gift, they have a calling, but then chooses not to act on this gift and calling they have, right. is making that choice which isn't being tempered. It's the exact opposite. Right. Well, absolutely. And, and the word of caution in that area <clears throat> of temperance is uh, be on your guard against legalism. Uh, some personalities may or be drawn towards legalistic attitudes than others. Uh, certainly uh, not an attitude endorsed by the New Testament teaching, especially uh, um, from Christ himself. Be careful not to turn others away from Christianity by judging the attitudes and behaviors of others. Allow the Holy Spirit to do that work. So God's going to take care of that. The Holy Spirit will take care of that. However, if your a Christian brother is caught up in in sin, your Templar brothers and sisters, it's your job to correct them. Wouldn't you agree with that? Uh, just how careful uh, you you do it. Sometimes we can make a stronger statement by our actions rather than words. For example. Um, you could have a good friend. I had a good friend in, in high school, and he would excuse himself uh, for a walk and outside, and, and with a group, he took up smoking. His actions weren't judgmental, but they were. He didn't want to support that either because he was an athlete. And smoking is like the last you get kicked off the team in a heartbeat. I saw you smoking today, Mr. Roth. You're off the team. What good is that going to do the team, especially if you're a key player? So we should rejoice greatly in the Lord, and and you should have concern. Indeed, you should be concerned, and you have an opportunity to show it. Uh, how can one live a fine line between excessivity or indulgence and legalism? Uh, what may be acceptable for you as a Christian may not be acceptable to another. There's gray areas, which Scripture does not call the behavior a clear sin. How can you live with grace and be accepting of others? How can you do that? Well, you can start by being humble. Humility is always, you know, if you humble yourself, you can live with that grace with others even though you know they might not believe what you believe specifically right. but you know it takes a humble person to 
to take that step back to analyze and look at the big picture. You know, maybe there's something going on with this person. You know, maybe this is why they feel the way they feel. I mean, there's a whole different type of approach you can take with people um, depending on their demeanor and attitude, depending on what they believe, where they are on their path in life. You know, are they, you know, have they fallen to the wayside? Do they need you there to help pick them up? Right. Do they need yeah. you to help build a ladder because they're so deep in a hole? You know, is the ladder going to reach or do you need to throw a rope? But then when you do these things for others, you can do these things for others. You can help others. And sometimes people won't accept the help. And all you have to do is try. They don't accept. They're in a hole. You've thrown the rope. You've tied it off to a tree. And, you know, sometimes people need to be in that hole for a reason. Maybe God put them there to teach them something. That's true. Maybe they needed themselves to be humble. To become aware. Maybe maybe they're prideful. Maybe they need to become aware of, you know, they're nothing without God. Humility. Humility. Yeah. That's another, and and you know what? That's another virtue. Humility being a, a temper. Of course, everything we've been talking about. You know, temperance and things like that. It it takes a lot of great strength to be able to do that. Yep. Strength's another virtue. It, it's another virtue. It's absolutely right. What is strength? Well, we can go to the source of real strength. Christ says yeah. that if we drink from the waters of the world, we will continue to thirst. In other words, if we draw our strength from the wells of the world, we will continue to need this source for our strength. The world offers many such wells, wealth, fame, hobbies, and many interests that when out of balance in our lives can become wells that leave us thirsty. But if we drink from the water that Christ gives, we will not only plug the hole in the bottom of our souls, Christ himself will cause a new spring of living water to well up from within us. Spring of water welling up within us. When Jesus was speaking with a Samaritan woman at a well, he asked her for a drink of water. She replied, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? His response to her was amazing. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you the living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself? As did also his sons and his flocks and herds. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That's going to be John chapter 4, paragraph 10 through 14. Absolutely. And same thing in Psalm. Psalms chapter uh, 33. Uh, I do believe it's verse 16 through 20. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those 
whose hope is in the unfailing love to deliver them from the death and keep them alive in famine. Um, we wait and hope that for the Lord, he is our help and our shield. Yep. Um, it, if we're full of ourselves, we are not usually full of God. Or being empowered to act out our own self-will and drive will usually will not get us too far. At least not in God's eyes, anyway. Um, when we're wrestling with issues of strength, uh, the Apostle Paul asked God three times to remove a thorn in his side that uh, was sapping his energy and standby. God refused to remove it, didn't he? However, and instead he said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Paul goes on to write, Therefore I will boast all of the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and <coughs> weaknesses and uh, in insults and in hardships and in, in persecutions and difficulties, for I am weak. Then I am strong. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. Then we have it. Our weakness clears the way for God's strength to rest on us. Next, you turn that bar and, and you and you stated it, the source of our real strength. John chapter 4, verses 10 through 14. Um, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 10. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. How can we practically build real inner strength? How do we regain our strength after we lose it? What is strength for? Why does God give us strength? Where do we often look for strength? Well, at, at the gym. They go to the gym. <laughs> But uh, they're not going to find real strength there. They're going to find physical strength, but they're not going to find the actual strength they need, no. which is from God. Yeah. And that strength, if they understood their strength, if they knew who they were, if they knew why, they you know what, if they knew who they are, like truly who they are, they would know that they can be strong during a spiritual attack. That is an immovable thing in everybody's identity. You can be strong during a spiritual attack. You can be triumphant during temptation. You can be constant during criticism. You can be faithful after failure. You can be loyal after loss. And you can be glorifying to God at all times. And you can be true to the end. Identity issue. People don't know who they are or how they're defined according to God. They forget that. Or they don't know that. Or they don't want to understand their true purpose. Or their true strength. Exactly. I, yeah. You know what a knight's promise is? I, I think we all, I don't know if we're all knights in here or that are listening to our podcast, but a knight's promise is to serve all but love only one. And that's Jesus Christ. And who can make a knight? 
Only the Lord Almighty and a man who chooses to live a life like one. So as we were talking before, it is a divine calling. Or you can be... I, it's just a divine calling. If you feel it in your heart that you want to like to become a Knights Templar, it's a divine calling. Let's, you know, these are all, we could go through this whole thing about uh, all these virtues. We know there's 24 of them. We have to live our life like that. But I think our other topic was uh, women as knights. Uh, we know that men were typically thought of as knights. Um, I hope Tom can join us. I, um, I'm not sure if he can. I hope. But, however, the office of knighthood itself is not open just for men, but it, it but for women as well. Isn't that correct? Uh, a prime example of that, I think, uh, Grand Prior, would be Joan of Arc. Yeah, Joan of Arc would have been uh, one of the first knights. Um, yeah, women typically, back in the uh, historical past history uh, knighthoods women were not allowed to do that um so you have to understand chivalry again it all comes back to knighthood and chivalry or chivalry are one and the same um men were expected to act a certain way and women and, and do certain things and women were expected to act a certain way and do th certain things as well still that that whole um gender identity right um men were expected to fight Men were expected to hunt, um, and women were expected to, you know, gather or do other things for family. Uh, men were protectors um, or farmers. So there were really only two types of people. You had farmers and you had warriors um, or, or uh, soldiers. So the farmers would grow the food for everybody to eat, and they would feed the soldiers. And the soldier's job was to protect the farmers. So that was the old uh, serfendom system. Um, you had different classes of soldiers um, throughout time. You had mercenaries, believe it or not, soldiers who only fought for money. That was their way of life. That's what they, they earned money by fighting. You had soldiers that did it for their king or their lord, their vassal lord. Um, that's where the majority of the Templars come from, where they were part of king or lord and were called to serve rome or the roman catholic church by order of the pope but we're not going to go into all that historical stuff plenty of references out there on the internet to research papal bulls etc right so women 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 doing things as knights so there's still controversies there's still some people that say no women can't be they can be dames um, I believe women can be knights. Um, prime example, our Grand Central is a woman. Um, she's a strong woman. She's definitely a knight. A chevalier. Chevrolet. Um, so is a turco. Yep. Yeah. Well, think about that. Queen Mary. Queen Mary was the first European woman to be granted knighthood and was made a knight grand commander in 1911. She was also granted knighthood in 1917 when the Order of the British Empire was created. <coughs> Excuse me. And and an order that was uh, first to be, it was the first, the British Empire was the first one 
to explicitly be open to women. That's crazy, huh? Yep. No, it's it's a good thing because, like you said, Grand Central uh, Carlson is just an amazing individual, amazing person. Um, she uh, she knighted you, didn't she? She did. She knighted me, huh? and you were knighted by Mister Devore. Yep. Yeah. Another night. That was his first night. Yeah, that was back in the uh, prior of his coming glory. Right. Exactly. Well, it wasn't it his coming? He wasn't part. Oh, that was St. Andrews. Anyway, the uh, there's also some more amazing women out there. There was a chemist, uh, historian, uh, her name was Elijah Ashmole, I believe. She wrote about women becoming knights in a book. I think it's titled uh, Institution, Laws, and Ceremony of the Most Noble Order of the Garter, 1762. Wow. And a nobleman by the name of uh, Diane de Loga. I think of Bologna. He founded a knightly order of the Glorious Saint Mary in 1233. Uh, this order was formally approved by the Pope in 1261 and granted military status to women. Pretty crazy, huh? Mm -hmm. It's not really crazy. It's great because there are a lot of women out there that should be knighted. With their great strengths, I know we have some. I have some friends on Facebooks that belong to a Templar group, and the women are, are Knights Templars. They've been knighted. knighted, and some of them they call them dames, and some other ones they call them knights. You know? Or chevrolets, depending yeah. on the language. Right, exactly. Which is all good. It's all good. I mean, especially. Today, in today's society, you know, women are, are needed I mean, to help spread the word of God, share the word of God. Yeah, like, like I started with the very beginning, you know, the world has an identity issue right now. The world is right. full of people who are wanting to be something... Or wanting a label or a title or a pronoun. I, and, I think they're lost. I think they're lost. There's a lot of lost people out there. That, that's for sure. And what's crazy is there's not enough knights. There's not enough people living in the life of chivalry. There's because, not you know, because, because, because chivalry is toxic masculinity. <laughs> According to today's world, opening doors and being chivalrous or, you know, being nice to people and, you know, not disrespecting people, you know, that, that's all toxic masculine. Even even if you're you're being harsh to somebody or you're speaking strongly towards someone, it is now considered tox toxic. It's not toxic. If you're no. point or if you speak with candor, which is direct and upfront. 
And that's right. And what am I supposed to be? Honest. Courageous. Honest. And honest. Whether it whether it hurts you or not. You know, See, are you supposed you know, to hurt somebody else's feelings? Well, technically, no. Well, you know, we're supposed to be You want to point out the sin to them. You don't want to hurt their family, yeah. but you want to point out that sin. Not judging them. You just point out the sin. That's all. And then, uh, yeah, we're supposed to be without fear in the face of our enemies and be brave and upright that God may love thee. Speak the truth always, even if it leads to your death. And safeguard the helpless and do no wrong. That's one of the oaths. It's not the oath, but it's one of the oaths. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we could we could go through these because we all it's all boiling back to the virtues anyway. It you is know. first and foremost. Uh, if a knight's not in good faith, it's all for naught. That's because does, this whole this whole podcast. That's exactly what I started with. <laughs> it, starts, it, it all comes back to God. It does. <laughs> And uh, it's, it originated from him, creator. We are the created. And we should enjoy the kingdom he created, but we can't because we're not in the proper position. Most right. people are not in the proper position. We don't. Most people don't understand we are created. He is the creator. And if yeah. we put him on the throne instead of us living individually on our own individual thrones, it changes right. everything. You can let go of a lot of the stress, a lot of the anxiety, a lot of the depression, and all these other ailments that are going around in the world right now. You can let it all go. It's real simple. Right. Give it yeah, over yeah. to God. Exactly. I mean, you're talking about, we were just talking about faith. Faith With faith, men have hope, charity, and, and are servants to the truth. To the truth. Hope is a noble virtue. Right? Yeah. Um, I know some people have asked, you know, you know what's the what's the, re what's the reward of becoming a knight? Right. It's actually with hope, with hope we, we we have more trust in God. Yeah. Not not in your horse, yeah. not in your car. Uh, well, a, I can tell you right a, now, the reward for it's a principal instrument that governs knighthood and honor. Hope is. Mm -hmm. And a knight does not have doesn't have charity. A knight that does not have charity, he'll end up being cruel and evil. So you have to be giving. Not only if you go to church tithing, but giving to each each other. It has to agree with knighthood. I mean, there's we could. Do I want to go through all these? We already went through justice. A night without justice is without honor. So these, well, I mean, we can, we can these, continue on, on another virtues, day. We, each one of these virtues, virtues ties in with the other. But the main thing is each virtue is tied with main one main thing that God said. Love. I think I gave a, a, a talk on that one time. Yep. I did. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get us off track here. I was just looking at uh, talking and thinking about some of these other temperance and fortitude. And, um, you know, our, I mean, it's well, our, job. our job is to fear God and, and maintain his church as, as nice. 
uh, to serve his leadership, his valor and faith, to protect the weak and the defenseless, to give help and assist uh, where we're needed, especially in times of difficulty, to refrain from making deliberate offenses against others, to live by honor and glory, to despise monetary words. In other words, money should be not it shouldn't be a knight's motivation um, for virtuous action to fight for the welfare of all to obey those placed in authority in other words i'm retired but you're still the grand prior of this order i still have to and i and i work for you actually as <laughs> as an ambassador now but yes. <laughs> you're the authority God's your authority and God's my authority on, on all that. So to obey those placed in authority, to guard and honor all fellow knights. It doesn't mean in your order. That's true. It specifically doesn't mean in our order. As a matter mm -hmm. of fact, as a matter of fact, if we go into Raymond Law's book on the order of chivalry, he actually states in there, that not only are we to love our own order, we are to love other orders because there's been, there are multiple orders in the world. There's always been multiple orders. When you have the, 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 the Knights Templar or um, uh, oh, the other ones. There's a bunch of them. Um, order St. John. All these other orders. So uh, Raymond Law actually has in, in his book... An order not only replies upon its members to love their order, but also replies, relies upon them to love other orders. For to love one order and not love another is not to uphold the order. For God has created no order that is contrary to another. Therefore, just as any member of a religious order is not following the order, if he loves it to an ex such an extent that he is the enemy of another one, so the knight is not professing the is not professing the office of the knight if he loves his order to an, such an extent that he scorns and does not love another order. For if a knight profess the order of chivalry, whilst at the same time detesting and destroying another order, it would follow that God and the order would be contrary, and such a contradiction cannot be. And and you know and that falls right in line with with. Uh our uh, stuff with the international on the OSMTJ international. It intends to establish, remember, um, 7C rule 3, or I'm sorry, page 3, rule 7C, it states as follows. The OSMTJ intends to be to establish, to maintain, widen, and deepen fraternal links with all willing and legitimate organizations and orders of the Templar inspiration that respect Templar rules, fundamental principles, and ethics, these relationships will be based on total mutual respect as far as characteristics, structures, and management is concerned and will adhere to non-interference with their distinctive functions. And it doesn't state anywhere that you can't be friendly and can't create peace amongst those because there are a lot of warring Templar orders out there, which we're not going to be part of. <laughs> well... Yes, I mean, there is. You know, there, you know, there's a lot of 
it comes back down to people and people understanding their place, being humble. It's it's checking your ego. It's it's a pride thing. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a wanting more than God. It's wanting a title or a, a, a position of, of, of leadership or power, you know, a, a power that, you know, God gives you everything you need. Why, why do you need more? Exactly. It's it just it, it, some, some people use or have used Knights Templars for wrong purposes or have deceived people under the false pretense of, hey, you know, we're a Christian organization. I mean, you might be. You might have Christians in there, and I'm not here to judge. That's not my role. That's not my job. That's God's job in the end. It's to judge everyone individually. So it's just we we avoid the, the, the drama and the conflict because we can love, and we can show our love. Right. And we know the truth. And we know the truth, and that is enough. That's, and that is. Um. And and in, and also as being knights or another code of knighthood, it's 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 to despise and shun unfairness, meanness and deceit. To keep the faith at all times. Speak the truth, like you said before. Speak the truth, whether it's going to hurt you or not. To preserve to the end any enterprise begun. Right. To respect. The honor of women, and we just talked about women becoming knights, and I think it's a great thing that they are, and they should um, never, never to refuse a challenge from an equal, never to turn uh, turn your back on a foe. You know, and, and all these twenty four virtues are right in line with those seventeen statements I just made, and they're also right in line with the. Uh... The virtues are in line with the um, 14 articles 14. that a knight must believe. They're exactly in line. So you have the, uh, the 14 articles, which we talked about in the beginning, which I, you know, believe in the one God, believe in one God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, believe that God is the creator, believe that God is the recreator, has redeemed humankind for the sin, and believe that God will give glory to those in paradise. So first seven articles that one must believe is divinity, believe in God. And I know, according to the book of the order of chivalry, you know, squires, they, they say squires, but we can, we can, we can say modern day, uh, an applicant or a postulant because we're not taking squires. We're not taking children in. Um, not unless their parents are there. Yeah. Right. Um, so a, a postulant is you got to you got to test people and it's not the words that we're after. It's the actions because words can right. deceive. People can tell you, you know, they you know, they, they do all this great stuff. But do they do their actions speak contrary to the words? Because words can deceive. Um, th that's part of our uh, I wouldn't say indoctrination, but part of our testing of an individual. Many, many can try to join, but you might not get accepted. Plus, yeah. once you, specifically our order, if you join, it's not an easy road to knighthood. No, no. If you, and if you're a busy person in life, it, it's really kind of hard to do. I mean, it's all volunteer as well. Um, and the 
the knight, the original knight, the, you know, the story I told at the very beginning, you know, gave his book of knowledge to his squire. So his squire may learn. That's basically what you would have to do with, with any order, really. Any order that believes in knighthood, as in the divine portion of being a knight, is going to test you. It's going to, you're going to learn. You have to read. You have to give, do quizzes or whatever, tests or your takeaway from, you know, how does this affect you or how has this helped you? I mean, a change has to occur for a person and and it's not easy for people to change and we get it we get right. it but you have to be willing and you have to allow god to work through you god calls knights he sends yeah. us knights who he seems fit even if they're not knights yet but they will become one it's a calling just like being a pastor or a priest or a, a deacon a clergyman that's a calling yeah, same goes for knighthood it's a calling and not everyone is equipped for it and i think well, people you know it's it, it, not it, it, an can, easy life you can even take that back to at the beginning of the uh templar order i mean if you look at the, the primitive rules of the templars um were Pain came out and said, uh, We speak firstly to all those who secretly despise their own will and desire with a pure heart to serve the sovereign king as a knight. The sovereign king, quote unquote, that would be God, as a knight. So you're there to serve God no matter what, as a knight. And with studious care, desire to wear and wear permanently the very noble armor of obedience. And therefore, we admonish you, you who until you have led the lives of secular knights in which Jesus Christ was not the cause, but which you embrace for human favor only to follow those whom God has chosen. There you go. And, it's, and this is from the primitive rule. God has chosen from the mass of perdition and whom he has ordered through his gracious mercy to defend the Holy Church and that you hasten to join them forever. Don't hasten. If you want to do that and you think you should be able to do that and you want to do that, then join. Become a Templar Knight. It's a life-changing experience. Trust me, it, it changed my life. And I was knighted back in 2018. It was a lot of work to get there, but I had a great trainer. Not only that, my son, who was the grand prior here, is the one that uh, pointed me in the right way. And then I met his uh, person, Connie Carlson, who knighted me, and I'll tell you what, changed my life. Really did. Big turnaround. Above all things, Whosoever would be a knight of Christ, choosing such a holy order as ours, you, in your profession of faith, must unite pure diligence and firm perseverance, which is so worthy and so holy, and is known to be so noble that if it's preserved untainted forever, you will deserve to keep company with the martyrs who gave their souls for Jesus Christ. In this religious order, because it is a religious order, by the way. We're non-denominational. 
who who flourished and is revitalized to the order and if you become a knight this knighthood despise the love despise of the love of the justice and constitute its duties do not did not do what it should and that is defend the poor widows you need to defend the poor widows the orphans and the churches as we've said before um these are primitive rules and they all tie in together and this is what you see this is what the outcome is for us and and it can be for you too um we have one more question grand prior and that is explain what knights today do versus in the medieval era did we discuss that you think this I, whole thing's been about that i think, I, I think yeah i think we're, we've been discussing i mean the reality is is, is do our knights in combat yeah you can have uh people who are in the military serving the government because we're supposed to be you know under our government right that's what god right. commands is you know, government you know love him follow your government right so we have to look at how are things set up now versus then so your government provides the soldiers and the marines you know the airmen all that stuff can they be knights yeah they can definitely be knights i was a knight i was i served active duty for 17 years i was a uh I was a, I joined our order back in 2016. Actually, I can tell you the date, January 31st, 2016. I was already a soldier. I'd already been serving for the past 15 years. Um, I was also at the time, even before I joined the order, I was pursuing um, uh, becoming a clergyman. And I was attending seminary at the same time I was even on active duty serving the country. Um, and I started seminary back in... Uh, 2015 um so one can be a soldier or a knight serve their country in the physical realm but today's modern order requires individuals to understand and to have that personal relationship with god to understand that our weapons of warfare are the spiritual weapons that God has given us. And I talked about it earlier, that we can defend against spiritual attack with the help of God. We can go out and we can help the sick and afflicted with the help of God. We can do all these great things, but everything relies on God. Right? I mean, think about in our order what we have in there. There's you. You're not only the you're not only the uh, grand prior, but you're also our uh, international. You're on the international order. Yes, um, we're grand priories uh, from around the world. We're currently roundtable. We have been roundtabled since the death of uh, our regent Nicholas Hamavici Hastier um, back in March. We're going to continue to be roundtabled um, where I can talk with any other leader of their own country. So you have to understand, even though I'm the grand prior of the United States, I'm still a United States citizen. See how the line's still there, you know, God, country, me, or the grand, me being the grand prior of the United States of America. Um, and the authority that was given to me was actually given, as far as our order, from the regent himself. 
in writing. I have a magisterial decree from uh, the regent before his death um, where he makes and appoints me as the Grand Prior of the United States. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's humbling, actually. It's humbling. And heaven yeah, is the head that wears the crown. It's not, it's not prideful. It's not. It's humbling. Because it's truth, and, and that's what you're talking about. But also, on that point, too, you know, we had the grand chaplain, your grand chaplain. We have a priest, a new, a new priest, Anglican priest, um, who's going to become a knight. Um, we have uh, a pastor of a, a Baptist church that's in our order. And then we have a couple other people that are in the order that are you yourself, or I think you're ordained now, aren't you, as a minister? Yeah. Yes. You have a doctorate. I have a doctorate in, in ministry. Um, and this is all good things, and, and we're looking to grow even more. But and again, that's a, that's a choose and, and pick thing. If you feel that you would like to become a Templar Knight, if you feel that calling to become a Templar Knight, um, you can do so. You can actually come to us, and, and we'll instruct you. And, and and bring you up to becoming a Templar Knight and, and you can go out and, and enjoy. You can, it's not that you can't go out and spread the word of God now. You can go out and help your community. You can volunteer. You can do these other things. But you're with a group of, of brothers and sisters alike that do these things. Uh, they try to make their community a better place to live. They become part. You can become part of a like-minded Christian helping others. There's, you know, uh, we're a close-knit family of brothers and sisters, and, and it's an order. So you are coming order. You're going to have to give up things in life that you wouldn't want to give up. All for Jesus Christ. And our, our vetting process, the vetting process for this order is is quality over quantity. With And we don't compromise. It's quality. We need quality Christians, not 100 people off the street, right? Uh, equality. Yeah, we're definitely not an order that's going to be like, hey, pay us 60 bucks and you can have a certificate. No, we are not that at all. No, we're talking. In fact, we don't even ask for money. We don't even ask for money. No. If you want to donate, that's fine. If you don't want to donate, that's fine too. It doesn't matter. Um, we don't have it, and we also don't have any need for any special ranking. We do volunteer. We do ask for the volunteer for your community. And that's part of the quest to become a knight. Um, uh, we don't have any Masonic orders in. In, in in our order in the United States, they may have in Europe because there's a lot of Masons in Europe. Um, we follow the tenets of the Latin rules of the Temple of the Temple. Plus, we are truly the poor Knights of Christ. We are really truly the poor Knights of Christ. Um, we are the only Templar Knight order in the United States of America that are in the true lineage and guardians of the Templar faith. We have the documents for that. Um, most other Templar orders seem to follow old ways of warrings and crusades. We don't do that. 
We don't need to war with our brothers and sisters. We are here to love one another as God's commanded. We are to help the poor. We are to help people in need. Um, we try to affect positive change, not only in our communities, but international. And that's what the round table's for that uh, Grand Prior was talking about. Internationally, we are the oldest order of all other orders. All others are historically branches of us, and some of the new ones are illegal. They're, they don't have the, the true documentation. Did I miss anything there, Grand Prior? No. I mean, yeah, I'm not even going to discuss any other as far as order. Um there's no need to. No, we know the truth. Yeah. <laughs> we know the truth. That's uh, we are we are the chronology of the order of the temple for the uh, OSMTJ. We are we fall under the Hamavichi Hastier line. Now there are other branches out there, um, which. I don't have a problem with any of the three legitimate branch, one being ours, one is the uh, Vanderstock, and then, you know, we have the Magnum branch, which came in 2020. Um, I don't have an issue with any of them. Um, no. People follow who they want to follow, and that's who yeah. they follow. You know, I'm not, I'm not here to judge. So... We're not here to judge anybody. I mean, we have other friends that have um, been and started other orders that, that are just expounding what they're doing, and it's all for the glory of God. And it is. We're here, you know, with peace, for peace, uh, among all Templars, all Templar orders that are putting God first. And everything that they do we're not in there to correct what they do we don't care nope. how they operate nope. as long as we're peaceful and and we're together on doing work for god so and specifically and specifically the regent told me in my many conversations before his passing that that uh, we are not to intervene in other orders affairs we're not to get involved you no. know the, the, specifically upset me is the fact that there was a peace between OSMTHU and OSMTJ. But then there was a breach of peace that occurred by the same people who wanted peace against our order. So we must move forward but never forget but we can forgive only if they ask, but they haven't asked. So that's just my thoughts on those matters. Well, but we, we are to be good, good ambassadors for Christ and God. We're to help others. And we are to not get involved in, other orders affairs we can be friendly with other orders we can have friendships and mutual recognitions example would be the u.s grand priory under um ronald magnum one of our branches 
we have peace and reconciliation with them in the United States as far as Grand Priories, the U.S. Grand Prior with them and us. Because at one time we were all together and we will be all together one day again, whether that be in the near future or in heaven together as brothers and sisters in Christ. So exactly. that is the good news there. That is awesome. Awesome news. So if anybody would like to join or if you're interested in becoming a Templar Knight, if you have that calling, you can actually go to our website. I, I, I sent it in a message on our podcast here, but if you can't see that, it is www.americanightstemplars.com. Again, that's www.americanightstemplars.com. Um, I don't think we have much more going on for this, so I'd like to say a little prayer for closing this podcast out or closing this meeting out. I'm going to call it a meeting. You can put that in the books if you want. Um, everybody bow their head, uh, please, in prayer. As we close this meeting, Lord, we want to give you honor and give this honor to you. Thank you, God, for the time we had here today to discuss Templar Knights and, and Women Knights, becoming Women Knights and, and making the, some better, I guess we kind of made some decisions that, yeah, women should be knights. Uh, and thank you, Lord, for that. May you bless each person who took time to come in and listen to this podcast today and, and others that will listen to the podcast. Um, let your hand be a protection on them throughout the rest of the week and throughout the rest of the year and the month. Lord Jesus, uh, please have our governors and our and our people of authority make the correct decisions for us as well. Lord Jesus Christ, we praise you and thank you in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks, Grand Prior, for coming in today and, and, and uh, talking. And uh, Historian Tom, if uh, you can hear me, if you're listening to the podcast, thank you. Everybody else, thank you for joining us here today. And uh, hopefully keep paying attention. We'll probably have another one next Saturday. And hopefully uh, we'll be back on because we also have uh, praise with the Templar Knight. And I'll be getting back on that. Got my computer up and running good and everything is good. Um, God bless all. Thank you so much for joining us.